There ain't no grave can hold my body down There ain't no grave can hold my body down Well, meet me, Jesus, meet me Meet me in the middle of the air And if these wings don't fail me I will meet you anywhere Ain't no grave can hold my body down There ain't no grave can hold my body down This is the word of God, 1 Corinthians 15, 35 through 58. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another. And star differs from star in splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. But there, if there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of earth. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. All right, back in the day when... Somebody would read a passage like that, God's people would say, glory. 
Hey, welcome to South Point. We're one church in two locations where our mission is to win downriver to Christ. We want to welcome you if you're a guest today. Really glad that you're here. Welcome you for watching online. We would love to be able to see you in person sometime really soon. Coming up next week, uh, next week is going to be Halloween. And um, we already uh, started with the holidays last week, right? As soon as Halloween's over, like at midnight, it's Christmas time, right? Everybody starts celebrating Christmas. We brought it with Easter last weekend as we got into 1 Corinthians 15, this classic passage about the resurrection of Jesus, the gospel, that he, he died, he buried, he rose from the dead, he's alive, and we're alive. Now, because of that, there are some questions that come up about our deaths. I mean, we make a holiday, actually, out of the fear of death, right? With, with all the celebrating ghouls and ghosts and zombies and, and even murderers and decorating our homes with gravestones in the yard and, and images of death and I think that's probably because we don't like to think about death. And maybe a holiday like that helps us to face it with a little bit of laughter and to make light of it. Well, there's a better way, though, to face death. And that's what chapter 15 is about, continuing in this letter written to the Corinthians. Paul is talking about this resurrection of Jesus in in chapter 15. And then the questions come up. All right, well, if if we're going to rise from the dead, how is that going to happen? And what will our bodies be like? Have you thought about that? What you want done with your body after death? I mean, we tend not to think about that. Chances are the older you are, the more you may have thought about that. But usually we let that kind of funeral planning go and ends up our families have to figure it out for us. So uh, quite a while back, Penny and I already decided what kind of funeral that we would want. And we want to keep it very simple, not a long, sad thing, just a memorial, no slideshows, no flowers, uh, no singing, no, no embalming. It's just like, get us in the ground as quick as possible. Don't bother showing up for some funeral visitation and viewing our bodies because we're not going to be there. We're with the Lord. That's not us anymore. Now, everybody has their own personal convictions about their funeral and they have their own preferences but many people never really do give it much consideration. So I want to make sure that our kids, our adult children, knew what to do. So I started putting together a Google document to share with them our funeral plans. But over the summer, I began researching a little bit more and and found out, you know, there's some other options, right? Uh, I began to figure out that you could actually donate your body to science, which would, you know, help with medical research, maybe even finding a cure. And frankly, the biggest thing I found out about that is that many places you donate your body to will do it all for free. I said, okay, I think that's the direction I'm going to head. Because let's face it, if you are a a funeral director or a florist, I mean, I know you got to make a living, but it's expensive. Do you realize just as of 2015, more Americans now are being cremated than they are being buried. I didn't know that. And in some states, it's as high as 75% are being cremated. And it's not primarily because of religious reasons, it's because of financial reasons. It's so expensive. You you realize that uh, when ashes are collected, old school was, you know, we put them in urns, maybe spread them over a body of water or put them around a tree or a flower bed. But now people are wearing ashes and necklaces. They're mixing them with tattoo ink. They're shooting them out of guns over favorite hunting grounds. They're scattering them over ballparks and and fields and stadiums. I mean, because after all, Ford Field is where dreams go to die, so that makes sense. (laughs) Right? 
Uh, and they're scattering them in, in favorite places like, yeah, Disney World. So it's like, clean up in the Haunted Mansion. That's really going on. Illegally, by the way, don't do that. Some states are now allowing kind of a liquid cremation and bodies are being dissolved, you know, resummation it's called. Other people would prefer just not to have to mess with it at all. They would, they want to be cryogenically frozen so that when they die and later on, they can be revived when they find a cure for whatever killed them. Uh, that's not really a thing, at least legally, but let's face it, even if you do get revived, you're still going to die. You're going to die of something at some point. So as Christians, we take a very different take on death. Uh, we're not so much concerned with our bodies because we know that we are more than a body. We are a spirit. Uh, we, are, we are made in the image of God. Our spirits are going to live forever. And so these bodies are going to return to the ground. They're all going to dissolve one way or another, dust to dust, ashes to ashes. And, but the spirit goes on living. You know, the Bible talks about death as being sleep, but it's only your body that is sleeping, not your spirit. Your spirit is just as alive, continuing to exist with God. So one day, the promise is, your body is going to be raised up and reunited with your spirit and glorified. And so that's our big idea, is that we will have better bodies. We'll receive these better bodies when we're raised up. We're looking forward to that day, and that's why... We don't put as big an emphasis on the burial part or the cremation part because Scripture doesn't really explicitly deal with it. It doesn't uh, command burial, and it doesn't necessarily prohibit cremation. There are some Christians who uh, say that they're kind of offended by cremation, and I think it's because they want to respect the body that God created for them, that um, they're, they're looking forward to that body being resurrected. But the truth is, no matter what you do with the body, even if it's buried, it's still going to dissolve. It doesn't matter if your body is blown up, burned up, eaten up by animals, missing at sea, missing body parts. It's going to be reformed. It's going to be transformed into a new and better body. Now, that kind of teaching was an amazing thing because in, this is like a mystery, Paul says. It's been revealed. Nobody had really thought that bodies would be brought back to life. I mean, from ancient times, people realized that your body is going to dissolve and disintegrate and decay. So religions and philosophers speculated about what would happen to your soul. And, and it maybe, you know, it would become one with the universe or it would take some new kind of form. But nobody was saying that your soul is going to come back into that body that was buried. That was a new thing. Now, understand, it's not just a reconstruction we're talking about. There is a, a continuity, but this is a new thing. This natural body we have is suited for this physical environment we live in now. But our spiritual bodies are going to be suited for that eternal environment that we'll be living in. So look, it's up to your own personal conviction what to do with your current body after you die. What really matters is what do you do with your soul? What, what have you done to prepare your soul for that? I mean, we spend so much time on our bodies, right, uh, uh, maintaining them and improving them. How much time have you spent trying to improve your soul, getting it ready to meet God? Because one day, your heart's going to stop beating, your brain's going to stop functioning, and do you know where your soul will go? What's going to happen to you? Well, as a Christian, if you've put your trust in Jesus, you know where you're going to be. You're ready for death. You're ready to go at any moment, in fact, because Jesus says he could return 
at, at any time, right now even. And if you're a Christian, you're ready to go. You wouldn't even have to go through death. You would just be transformed in the twinkling of an eye, in a flash. But let's say you do die and Christ's return is delayed, what happens to you? Well, you're, you're in a disembodied state with the Lord. Doesn't mean you're some sort of free-floating fog or some ghost roaming the earth. There's, it's still you. You're not like limitless without boundaries. You're still a recognizable form in some way. But that is not your final form because we are going to be living in a new heavens and a new earth and we will need a body suited for that environment. That will be our final destination. So we gotta have a new and better body. Sounds good, right? I, I can't wait for that, it sounds awesome. But right now we gotta live with the bodies we have, right? For better or for worse. And if I were to ask you right now to raise your hands, I won't, but how many of you would trade in your body for a new one, for a better one, right? I'm guessing it would be a lot of us. Maybe every single one of us. Because we spend so much time on these bodies, working on them and dieting and exercising. And when that doesn't work, well, then we compress them and we camouflage them and we conceal all the imperfections and the flaws, nipping and tucking, because everybody hates something about their body, right? Everybody's got flaws. Everybody thinks that they are ugly in some way. They wish they were thinner or taller or had fuller lips or smaller hips, bigger this, smaller that, more hair, less hair. In fact, one study I saw said the average American woman has 13 negative body thoughts every day. 13 every day. So some things, look, we can do something about, but some things we just can't. This is just the body we've got. And some of this goes far beyond the cosmetic, aesthetic kinds of things to our bodies actually being in bad shape. How many of you have been sick? How many of you chronically ill? How many of you, you just, you woke up this morning and you hurt yourself sleeping? You know, you're, you're achy, you've got pains just from sleeping. We've got bad eyes, bad knees, bad backs, broken bones. We got, uh, we got migraines and ulcers and digestive disorders and high blood pressure and diabetes and asthma and allergies and autoimmune diseases. We've got fibromyalgia, COPD, diabetes, mental challenges, mental illness, developmental disabilities, not to mention tumors, cancer, and heart disease. Some of you have to use canes and walkers and wheelchairs and hearing aids and pacemakers, you got doctor's appointments and medications and injections and pain creams and surgeries. We're a mess. These bodies are a mess. So even if you're at your, your peak, if you're one of the people who say, I love the body I got, man, look at this thing. This is, this is awesome. All right, first of all, we hate you. But second of all, it ain't gonna last. <laughs> Even if you're at the peak of physical perfection, you know what? You could lose it in a moment. All it takes is one slip up, one accident, one bite of bad food, and uh, you're going to be in a mess too. Some of you, if the truth be known, are staring death in the face right now, either by disease or by age. And it doesn't matter how good medical coverage and care you're going to get you're still gonna die. None of that was God's plan, you know. 
God made us with bodies that were supposed to last forever. This was supposed to be heaven on earth, paradise, the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve had it all. No pain, no aches, no death. They were going to live forever. But then they sinned, and they messed it up for all of us. They brought a curse upon the whole world. And so we live in this fallen world now. They traded eternal physical perfection for a lousy piece of fruit? Are you kidding me? But of course, what they really were trading it for was the chance to be their own God. They thought they could do a better job than God. They thought God was holding out on them, that there was something better for them. Those idiots, they didn't understand how good they had it until they had to leave. They were forced out of heaven, out of paradise, to experience suffering and decay and eventually death. None of that was what God wanted. Go ahead, take care of your body, live a healthy life, that's all good. But in the end, death wins. Every single one of us will lose. Doesn't matter how toned you are, or how clean you eat, or how many vitamins you take, you will lose. And you know what? The way some of you smoke and eat and drive, you're just going to get there faster than the rest of us, but we're all going to get there. Some of you are in a hurry. I don't know. But death is, is horrible. Death is a foe. Some people look at it, oh, death is this wonderful, beautiful friend to be embraced. Let's embrace it, the circle of life. No! It's an awful thing. I mean, death is not good, and that's why... If you ever go to one of the funerals where people are standing around the casket looking in, you inevitably hear somebody say, oh, they look so good. They look so lifelike. She's so beautiful. She's so natural. Folks, don't ever say that at a funeral. I mean, the family can say whatever they want to, but it ain't true. I mean, how many of you say to somebody who's living, oh, you look so natural. You look so lifelike. No, they look dead. It's not good. It's not normal. That's not God's plan. Death is a horrible, horrible enemy, and it is to be feared. Feared. Why? Because death is all about separation. You're being separated from this world, separated from this body that you can enjoy this world through, separated from your loved ones. The very fact that my dad isn't here, my grandma isn't here, shouldn't be. That's part of the curse. They should be here right now. Death is not our friend. Death is about separation and ultimately separation from God. That's why death is to be feared. You're going to be separated from God, from heaven, from Love, from joy, from peace, all that you will never experience apart from God because it's misery. That's what hell is. Hell is not some party you're going to enjoy with your buddies forever. It's misery and isolation. There's no enjoyment. There's no fellowship. There's nothing good. So how do we deal with all that? With hope. With the hope of the resurrection Jesus gave us. God sent his son to die in our place. In fact, he came and had a full-blown human experience in a body like ours that feels hurt and hunger. In fact, his body felt whippings and beatings and piercings and the death that we deserved. 
so that we wouldn't have to die that way because he conquers death by rising out of that tomb, walking out of that grave and defeating our enemy death in a glorified body. That's what we have to look forward to. He did that all so that we could experience a resurrection too. Now, until that happens, yet we still got to live life in this fallen world. And there's still going to be disabilities and deformities and diseases and injuries and death. But it's only temporary. That's the good news. It's only temporary because Jesus came so that we could live forever in a place where there's going to be no more pain, no more weakness, no more death. We'll have these imperishable bodies. And so this is the way Paul says it works. He says, look, it's like a seed. You take a seed, you plant it in the ground, it dies, but something better comes out of it, right? A flower, a tree, a plant, a vegetable. Well, not everything's better. Some things are better that come out. I'd rather eat the seed than some of the vegetables, but that's okay. Good things come out of seeds. And the point is, don't you think God can bring something better out of your body that's going to be planted? I mean, if he can do what he did for the rest of his creation, if he can create a body for the planets and the sun, these forms that they have, recognizable forms for animals, if he can make a man out of dust and a woman out of the rib, don't you think he can make you a better body? One that's still you, one that is still recognizable, but oh so better. One that will never wear out, break down, or fall apart. Sounds really good, doesn't it? These bodies that are sown in dishonor. And let's face it, our bodies do a lot of dishonorable things. I mean, these bodies produce a lot of dishonorable uh, sounds and smells. Some of you more than others. But we all have dishonor to our bodies. We've got these weird growths and blemishes and zits. And we get these, these strange uh, secretions and leaks and hair growing where it shouldn't grow. And you're like, ugh. But these dishonorable bodies are going to be raised up in honor. Honorable bodies. These bodies that are sown in weakness and brokenness are going to be raised up in power. I mean, when, when, wouldn't you love to feel like you did when you were young? Wouldn't you love to feel strong again at your peak? Because let's face it, every year we live, we lose more muscle mass, we grow more brittle, more flabby, and we, we start shrinking. Yeah, I'm shrinking. I'm actually shrinking. <laughs> I mean, I wish I could run and jump like I used to. Not that I could ever run that fast. But man, I would love to be able to feel that way again. I would love to be able to see and here, like I used to, instead of walking around all day going, what, what, what? I would love to have the energy and stamina I used to when I could stay up past midnight. That would be a wonderful thing. But those days are gone. But there's coming a day when we'll have it better because that's what we've longed for since we were kids, isn't it? That's why we look up to all those superheroes because we want to have bodies like that. We want to have these powerful, invincible, superhuman bodies with incredible strength. That's what we have to look forward to. Incredible bodies where we'll have no more need for doctors and pharmacists and nutritionists and personal trainers and physical therapists. I mean, we love you all if you're in the medical field. We appreciate you, but we don't want your services anymore. We want that to all go away because we long to be immortal. Isn't that what that search for the fountain of youth is all about? We want to be young and strong again. 
We want to be better than we were before. That's why I love back in the 70s, man, one of my shows, Six Million Dollar Man, right? Steve Austin, the bionic man. You know, he was an astronaut that was in this plane crash. And so the government said, we can rebuild him. We can make him better. And so they gave him these super fast bionic legs and this powerful arm. And I had the action figure. You know, do you remember this? You could look through the back of his head to see through his bionic eye, right? He could see so far. It was great. I mean, now that was science fiction. That's becoming more normal now through our technology. We're very blessed now that we get to... This is awesome for amputees and, and people with missing parts and everything, people who are hurt, all, they're broken, that we can correct the effects of sin like that. Isn't that great? But I wonder, can we go too far with that? I remember earlier this year, I was talking with my son Thomas about the future, and he was speculating about future human beings will, will probably look quite different than human beings today. I said, what, what do you mean? He said, well, all the robotic mechanical technologies that we have, people aren't just going to be repairing and replacing things, they're actually going to be modifying themselves. They're going to want to get rid of their body parts so that they can have better, like, bionic parts. Everybody be a six million dollar man. I mean, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't, I can't see that happening. I don't think God would allow that because it was, it would alter and interfere with his very, uh, basic design for humanity. I, that's not right. God wouldn't allow that. But then I got to think, well, God's allowed us to do a lot of wrong things, hasn't he? And then wouldn't you know it, just this past week, this article came out of the United Kingdom. This headline, terminally ill scientist with motor neuron disease transforms into the world's first full cyborg. We got a cyborg on the planet now, the real deal. A couple years ago, this now 61-year-old scientist, Dr. Peter Scott Morgan, was diagnosed with a terminal illness and told he would only live until about October 2019, right now. So he took that diagnosis as a challenge to extend his life using the latest artificial intelligence, pioneering, cutting-edge systems so that he could continue existing, but really all of his mind and personality would be transferred transferred to this avatar on a screen that he would control with his eye movements. His body wouldn't move at all. In fact, they, they gave him this advanced wheelchair that tilts back with a laptop that has eye tracking so that he no longer speaks physically. He speaks with his eye movements through an avatar and all his bodily functions have been replaced with a feeding tube, a catheter, colostomy bag. So now you got Peter 2.0, and I want you to watch this video. This is actually him talking to us in the past week. Hello, I am the future. I am the beginning of Peter 2.0. On the 10th of October 2019, Peter 1.0 will say his very last words. But by then, I will be fully operational and I will come online. For decades to come, I will keep Peter's personality alive. And for all the time, I will continue to evolve, dying as a human, living as a cyborg. Man, that's, that's the future is now, right? He says he's going to go on living for many more decades this way.
In fact, here's his quote. He says, I'm not dying. I'm transforming. Oh, how I love science. Well, good for him. But you know what? One day he's still going to die. You're only delaying the inevitable. You can't escape death. Even if you get healed of something, you're still going to die. But for us, we can truly say, I'm not dying. I am being transformed. Oh, how I love Jesus. We got a much better transformation to look forward to than, than lying on a wheelchair table, tracking things with our eye movements. We got a new and better body. So as we do grow old and we get sick and we get weak and we move into this new sci-fi world of movies like iRobot and surrogates and video games like Deus Ex, or, are we going to be walking around with these exoskeletons on our body to augment and enhance our natural abilities to make us better than the way God designed us? Is that really going to happen with these robotic parts and cybernetic modifications that will make us run faster and hands that will type faster and eyes that can see with Terminator vision taking everything all over the place? Are, are we going to have our bodies hacked with parts that are better I mean, upgrades, extra abilities where hands turn, you know, 360 degrees. I don't know. I don't know if we're ever going to get to that place that so many are dreaming of today because God is still creator. He's still in charge. And he didn't just make us machines out of biological, organic material and electricity. He created us in his image with both body and soul. And something made in the image of God is not something that any engineer or scientist can duplicate in a lab with mechanical parts and computer systems and software. Only God can do that. Adam brought death to our bodies, but Jesus brings life, victory. Victory over sin, victory over illness, victory over disease, victory over death. For those who trust him, he's going to restore everything that was lost through Adam. I'll tell you, if you haven't been feeling for a better, if you have been feeling pretty poorly, you're probably looking forward to this more than most of us because it means no more arthritic pain, no more aches in the knees or in the hips, no more pain medications, no more nausea, no more worry-induced knots in the stomach and stress, tension-induced pains in the neck and in the head, all that's going to be gone. I mean, people who are blind are going to see. The deaf are going to hear. People in wheelchairs are going to be running. People with mental brain ailments, the organic brain ailments, they're going to be restored to the right way of thinking. People who are frail and feeble will be made strong. Doesn't that sound good? I can hardly wait for that. It's going to be incredible. Total healing. Extreme makeover. But listen, I've got to be very careful about this. Because it's only those who have put their trust in Christ that will experience that kind of a resurrection. I mean, everybody's going to continue to exist. But only those in Christ are going to be raised up like that. Jesus foretold in John 5, Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live. And those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. We're all going to rise 
But those who have done good, in other words, those who have the righteousness of Christ covering us, making us good, because no one is ultimately good, only Jesus is, but everyone is gonna rise up, but only those in Christ will have a quality of life that would be called immortality. We wanna be immortal, in fact, We've already got it. That quality of life has already begun. We already have eternal life. John says this in 1 John 5, 13. Everybody say this out loud together with me. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. You have it. Do you? Do you have that assurance? Because one day the trumpet is going to blow. Now back then, a trumpet was much more than just a funky jazz solo. It was like a call to arms. It was heralding something important. And so the trumpet heralds the end of the ages. The final day, the king is coming. Jesus is returning. This is it. This is the finale, the final thing. And at this point, I was going to do something really dramatic here. I thought it would be really cool to secretly have somebody in the back with a trumpet stand up right now and go... But I thought it would make people absolutely freak out and faint. Would have been hilarious, but I didn't want to be sued for that. So you just have to imagine that, but it's going to be incredible. We are going to be taken up at that sound of the trumpet in a flash, and we'll all stand before the Lord, and we'll be separated into two groups, those who are in Christ, who are saved, and those who are not. And then those who are not will go off to a place of separation hell and those who are in Christ in their new immortal transformed glorified bodies will touch back down on the new heavens and the new earth where we enjoy his presence and his blessings forever it's going to be incredible and so right now we can start singing this song of mocking where O oh, death is your victory where O oh, death is your sting death you have lost Jesus whooped you good, and when he gets back, you will die your final death. The sting of death is sin. Okay, we're guilty. We've all sinned against God, and the wages of sin is death. And the power of sin is the law. We've all broken God's laws, whether on our conscience or in Scripture. And the law could never save us. All it could do is point out that we're lawbreakers. But, everybody, thanks be to God. Here we go. He gives us the victory. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are forgiven. We're alive. We win because Jesus won and the curse is reversed. That's what we look forward to. And I'll tell you what, that's why it's difficult to perform the funeral of somebody who's not a believer. Because it's hard to know what to say. It's only about memories. The only smiles come from memories. Now you try to you try to speak words of comfort, soothing kinds of things. But without Christ, we can't talk about the future. Really, we can't talk about the afterlife. We can't address the elephant in the room about what's going to happen to their soul. I have no hope to give them. I mean, I can hold out the hope that maybe in their final moments, that person that departed called out to Christ. That's possible. But I can't give that kind of assurance, that promise. All it becomes is, is kind of an empty wish or whistling past the graveyard. We have no real hope. So all I can really do at that kind of a funeral is offer hope to those who are still alive.
that you still have the opportunity to receive Christ. And I know that's not a popular thing to say today in a world where there are so many religious options out there, it's offensive to people to say, well, there's, there's many ways to heaven. To quote Jesus and say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Just rubs people the wrong way. I get that. But nobody else ever claimed to be God or be able to forgive sins or foretold their own death and resurrection and then backed up their claims. Nobody ever stared death in the face and beat it because up until Jesus, death was on a winning streak, undefeated, even claiming the life of the Son of God himself. But when Jesus walks out of that tomb, death was conquered, sin is destroyed, the devil is overcome, and the fear of death is decimated. We can stare death in the face now too and know that we will win, we will conquer. So the funeral for a Christian is a very different thing. It's awesome, I mean, it's still sad. I mean, we still grieve, but not like the rest of the world. We smile just not because of the memories, but because we have something better to look forward to. Not separation, there's gonna be reunion. We're gonna be together forever in a better place. When people look into that casket, at the funeral of somebody who's not a believer, and they say, well, at least they're not suffering. At least they're in a better place. No, I can't promise that. I can only promise that for a believer. You really are in a better, the best place. And you're no longer subject to suffering. And one day, Jesus will come back, and he will be the grave robber. So we will receive better bodies when we're raised. When you're sick, when your body attacks you, when you're injured, when that happens to you or one of your loved ones, you know, that's the time when you most are likely to doubt God's goodness. You say, where is my good father? But that's the time you actually need him most. Paul says, stand firm, let nothing move you. He hasn't abandoned you, he hasn't forgotten you. Jesus knows what you're going through. He's been there, he's done that, he can sympathize. He experienced what we experienced. He was made in the likeness of a human so that one day we could be made in the likeness of the man from heaven. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. What you do here and now in this body has value. You take it with you. It's going to be rewarded one day. Glory. That's what's coming. One day you're going to be the guest of honor at your own funeral. What's it going to be like? Are people going to be smiling just because of the memories? Or because they have something better to look forward to? Do you and do they know where your soul will go? What is your final destination? If you don't know that, you can know it today. If you pray with me. We just call out to you, Lord. I first want to pray for those who are suffering. People who are grieving. We want to pray for relief and healing and comfort. God, help us not to doubt your goodness, but to keep trusting. Even when our, our physical problems are painful, help us to hold on and not give up and stay faithful. Because we know, Lord, if we just live for today, we got no hope for the future. We got no hope for eternity. But if we die to ourselves today, die to our sin, we know that we're going to live forever. 
So thank you for the promise of a better body, being in a better place. And all we can say is, come soon, Lord Jesus. And we pray it in that name. Amen.